This morning, we're going to begin the series we're calling Legacy. And, and we're going to talk about what it means, what it means to leave a legacy. You know, a legacy is something that is handed down by a predecessor to the next generation. And uh, sometimes it's good legacy. Sometimes it's not so good. But God's intention is that we leave a good legacy. Amen. And so the question is, what are we going to hand down to those that come behind us? Whenever we're done, our life is over. What is those behind us are going to receive? It's a good question to ask. What kind of legacy will we hand down to the next generation in this church? Those that are going to be here after we're gone and they're gathering here in this building. If the Lord tarry, what are we going to hand down to them? What are we going to hand down to uh, to our children that are right around our feet in our home? Our grandchildren that got their eyes on us as grandparents or parents and they're watching us and they're observing. What are they going to receive from us? I believe every once of every one of us really uh, want our lives to count and we want our lives to impact others. Is that right? Am I talking to the right, right crowd here this morning? I believe that all of us have a desire to be used of God and to make a difference for God. Don't you, don't you want to make a difference from God, for God? You know, if you really don't want to make a difference for God, there's something wrong with your spiritual life, right? But we should all want to make a difference for life. And here's the good thing. God wants to use us. He wants to use us to make a difference. Amen. Isn't that great? God is calling us, each of us, and he wants to use our lives to make a difference and impact the world that's around us. He wants to use us to leave a legacy. He wants us, he wants to use us not only to leave a legacy in our family, but he wants to use us to leave a legacy in the kingdom of God. He wants us to be a part of his legacy. Amen. And that's really great. God is a generational God. Here's point one. God is a generational God of legacy that desires us to be a part of his legacy. How many of you know that he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob? Right? He's been intentional about his kingdom. And it's always been his intention for our lives to positively impact the next generation. You should be in Psalm 112, and I want you to read verse 6, or part of verse 6 that says this, those who are righteous will be long remembered. God wants to leave behind a rich spiritual legacy in our life that will be long remembered for generations to come, that our children will talk about our life, and our grandchildren will talk about our life. Do you know great-grandpa? You know what he was about? You know what he did? He wants, God wants us. You know, grandma, I tell you one thing about grandma. And they will, they'll be, they'll, they'll have a legacy. They'll have an impact in our lives that will, that will transcend our existence and go on to the next generation. Amen. Second Timothy chapter two and verse one says, Timothy, my dear son, be strong through the grace that God gives you in Christ Jesus. You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. You know what? This is a generationally legacy driven 
challenge that Paul has given Timothy. And, and, it, and it encompasses four generations here where he tells Paul, he says, Paul, hand down a spiritual legacy to Timothy. And then Paul looks at Timothy and he says, he encourages Timothy, Timothy, go find some trustworthy people that you can invest your life into. And, and look for people that will not just sit on what you give them, but look for people that will themselves look for people that they can reach out to and they can hand down what you've been given to another generation. It was a generational, generationally legacy driven passage of scripture. And the apostle Paul had the vision of leaving a legacy. And I want to encourage you that we need to leave a legacy. Amen. You know, I'm just looking around. I see brother Francis there and, um, I've never been so, so glad to hear Brother Francis's voice yesterday. Somebody, uh, put something on Instagram or tweeted or Facebook or something like that. I'm not sure what it was that Brother Francis had went to be with the Lord. And so somebody texted me and said, is it true? I said, well, hello. Hey, Brother Francis. Praise the Lord. You're still here. I've never been so glad to hear your voice. Amen. So I said, Brother Francis, you might be getting some more calls about this. And it turns out it was a Father Martin. And they just put the abbreviation for Father. And somebody read that to mean Francis Martin. But he said, no, I'm still here. I said, well, maybe you might want to tweet them and let them know all is well. You know, just. But how many of you believe that Brother Francis and Miss Babs are leaving a rich legacy here at Family Life Church? Aren't you glad that they laid their life down to help us? Man, I'm, I tell you, I am so grateful for their legacy. Amen. My life has been changed by it. Are you getting, are you understanding what we're talking about here? Listen, it's never been God's desire for our life to just be about our life. It's always been God's desire that we would leave behind a spiritual legacy that would impact generations to come. Are y'all still with me here? It got too quiet right there. All I did was read a couple of phrases. Listen, it's always been God's desire for us to live beyond ourselves and leave behind a lasting spiritual legacy. Amen. So I want to encourage you to begin thinking beyond your life. Living beyond yourself. You know, I heard a story uh, this week that uh, years ago when they built the great cathedrals in the European world. Whenever they were ready to start building a cathedral, the first thing they did was they went plant some trees. And then they started building the cathedral. And it took them about a 100 years to build a cathedral. And by the time they finished building the cathedral, they had the wood to make the benches. Now that's thinking ahead. That's living with legacy. We need to plant some trees, church. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Say, Todd, where are you going? I don't know. Just track with me right now. Amen. So how do you leave? How many of you want to leave a legacy? Let's start there. How many of you want your life to count? Amen. And so how do you leave a lasting legacy? How do you leave behind a lasting legacy? Decide. First of all, you need to decide now what you're going to spend your life pursuing. What you gonna, what you gonna spend your life pursuing? We all have the choice of spending our lives how we want. 
And the question is, how are we going to spend it? Because how we spend our life determines our legacy. How we invest our days determines our legacy. And so we, we are where we are today because of the choices that we made, right? Good or bad. And some of us are in a bad place because we made bad choices. Some of us are in an okay place because we made a few more better choices than bad choices. Amen? But the better choices we make, the better our life will be. The better our choices, the better our legacy. You know, I, according to a Harris poll that was conducted just last year, only one in three Americans are very happy with their life. One in three, which means two thirds of Americans say they're not living happy lives. They're unhappy with life. Two thirds. That's a lot of people. I wonder what kind of results or if this had any impact on the on the church. But, you know, the question is, why so many people living unhappy lives? Well, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of reasons, but I believe one of the reasons It's because we're pursuing, listen, we're pursuing the wrong things in life. That's why we're unhappy. You know, listen, Proverbs 14, 12 says there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. There's a path before each person person that seems right, but it ends in death. And so, you know, there's a way we can live our lives That seems right. But whenever we get down to the end of it, we're going to realize, man, it was the wrong way to live our life. You know, somebody said, you know, like life is like jumping out of a a plane with a parachute. Once you jump out, it's over. Once you jump out, it's done. You can't like press rewind and go back up in the plane. You know, that's only on the DVR or whatever, you know. But how many of you know we only get one chance? And so we got to make it count. Amen. Now, remember King Solomon. King Solomon was the wisest and the richest man that ever lived, that he was the richest man in the world. And he woke up one morning. He woke up one day and realized he was pursuing the wrong things in life. He was he was the wisest, richest guy. You, you would think the wisest guy, he wouldn't pursue the wrong things. And he woke up one day and said, man, I'm pursuing the wrong things. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 1 and 14, I observe everything going on under the sun and, I, and, and really it is all meaningless, like chasing the wind. So now here's the richest man in the world realizing the futility of pursuing the wrong things in life. You know, I just pause a moment to think, God, Am I pursuing the wrong things in life? Am I chasing after the wind that can never be caught? See, Solomon teaches us some lessons, four lessons he teaches us. First lesson he teaches us is the futility of pursuing the pleasures of life. You know, some people, they just live for pleasure. What's fun? What makes me feel good? The Bible says in Ecclesiastes 2.10, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. 
there was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. So here's a man that got to, at some point in his life and realized, he says, I denied myself no pleasure. See, one time Solomon thought, if I just fill my time enjoying myself, going from party to party, from fun to fun, then certainly that'll make my life satisfied. See, he attempted to find happiness in pursuing pleasure. And he woke up one day and said, you know what? It's like trying to chase the wind. Solomon realized that the pursuit of pleasure in life doesn't make you happy. How many else in here has found that out? You see, some people mistakenly think that just pursuing pleasures of life will make them happy, fulfill their life, and give them the, the kind of life that they're looking for. But pleasure does not satisfy. You know, whenever I was younger and, and not yet a Christian, I thought, I'm going to pursue the pleasure of partying. Because to me, there was no life outside of partying. My, my world existed around fun partying. So I just tried to go from party to party. But, you know, after a while, it's just like, man, it kind of leaves a, an aftertaste in your life. It's like, man. You know, this this is getting old. Come on. Has anybody ever been there? Come on. I know there's not all these people in here that was born in church and never went to a party. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And so, you know what? After after that came to an end, I thought, well, partying isn't working anymore. I, th- I guess I'll just maybe buy me a boat and go fishing. Man, catching fish is fun. I'm going to go fishing. And so I went fishing. But, you know, sometimes it seemed like every time I'd go fishing... Every cast ended up in the bank or in a tree. You know, you could be fishing and be so aggravated, you're ready to jump out of the boat. You can't even get the line in the water, man. Come on. How many of you know what I'm talking about? And it's just like, man, you know, God, why don't you just let me have fun? I'm just trying to fish. But you know what? I realize pleasure doesn't make you happy. So listen, pleasure while in itself is not bad, pleasure in itself is good. It will never make you happy and give you the satisfaction you desire. And I wonder who's in here right now that that's your pursuit of life. Let me ask you, when you die, what kind of legacy will that leave on your children and your grandchildren? Is that the kind of life you want to live? Think about it. But here's the second lesson. Solomon teaches us the futility of the accomplishments of work. Some people think, well, man, I'm just going to grow a great company. And that's going to be my, my, my impact on my world. Listen, Solomon, he said in chapter 2, verse 11, as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Verse 17, so I came to hate life because everything done under heaven here under the sun is so troubling. Everything is meaningless, like chasing the wind. Here's another revelation Solomon came to. Now, listen, you're talking about a man who accomplished a lot. Solomon built the first temple on Mount Moriah that became one of the wonders of the world. He he accomplished a lot. He built a majestic palace, had all these gardens, these roads, these government buildings that he built. 
he, he accumulated thousands of horses and chariots and he became the wealthiest king of all time. I mean, it's not like this guy didn't accomplish something. He was the best. And he wakes up one day and say, you see that palace? See that temple? It's beautiful, I know. You see all these horses and chariots. And it's chasing after wind. After he accomplished all this, he said, it's meaningless. Sometimes we try to find significance and happiness in the things we do in life. Like climbing the corporate ladder. If I can just get that position. Or, or getting a position or a title or achieving success, power, prestige. Or, you know, if I could just get on the board or if I could just be in this circle or in that loop. Nothing wrong with accomplishments of hard work. Well, listen, as long as we realize that work in and of itself will never bring us lasting fulfillment and satisfaction. And listen, people have left empires, financial empires. And as soon as they died, their family fought like cats and dogs trying to figure out what they're going to do with this empire. Again, I ask, is that the kind of legacy that you want to live in your lifetime? In the big scheme of things, the pursuit of accomplishments is meaningless in chasing after win. Amen? Unfortunately, some people spend their whole life climbing that ladder. And when they get almost to the top, they look down, they look up, and they say, oh, no. The ladder is leaning against the wrong building. And I just spent my life chasing after the wrong thing. What a tragedy that would be. The third lesson Solomon teaches us is the futility of pursuing happiness in relationships. Relationships are very important and we sh- and it should be a priority of our life. Isn't that right? Next Sunday's Mother's Day. I encourage you, bring your mama to church. Mamas, if your son says, what do you want for Christmas? Uh, Not Christmas, but for Mother's Day. Tell her you take that for Christmas and Mother's Day. Come to church with me. Amen. However, we should never expect our relationships as, as important as they are to be the fulfillment of our life. Listen to this verse. Ecclesiastes 6.3. This is Solomon. A man may have a hundred children and live many years. Yet no matter how long he lives, if he cannot enjoy his prosperity and does not receive proper burial, I say that a stillborn child is better off than he. You can have a hundred children. Remember, Solomon was surrounded by all kinds of people. You remember, he is, uh, he is estimated uh, um, to have, you think about all the servants he had, all the workers, all the people in his palace that served him as king, all these people around him. It's not like he wasn't around people, but yet, he says, you can have a hundred children and it could be very futile. Remember in first Kings 11, we're reminded that Solomon had a uh, 700 wives and 300 concubines. Now that's a verse that makes us know that Solomon wasn't as wise as we realize he was right there. Right? Right? 700 wives. You got to be kidding me, man. 700 credit cards. Are you crazy? But yet, you know, all these relationships could not provide Solomon with what he needed. 
Solomon said in Ecclesiastes 2.17, everything is meaningless, everything, even relationships. Now listen, I'm not saying relationships aren't valuable, you shouldn't have them. But whenever you look to relationships to be the fulfillment and the satisfaction of your life, that's where you pursue win. Because relationships cannot do what only God can do. Sometimes we look to others to, you know, if I just, you know, if I just get that relationship, that everything's going to be good. No, because you're going to be in it. And if you're in it, this way that you go into it is the way that it's going to be once you're in it. Amen. And so some people think, well, you know, just if I, if I finally get a boyfriend or a girlfriend, man, everything's going to be great. No, it won't. If I just get married and, and married people said, if I could just get out. None of you, but some people, you know. Well, listen, a hundred friends, a hundred friends will not satisfy the deepest longings of your heart. Remember the woman at the well, when Jesus met her at the well and, and Jesus ministered to her and said, hey, you've had five husbands and you're with a man right now that you're not married to. Wink, wink. And Jesus said to her, he knew all the relationships she had. And in John 4, 13, Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again. But those who drink the water I give you will never thirst again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. He's talking to the lady at the well. She was at the well because she was thirsty. She was thirsty for something that natural water couldn't satisfy. She had a deep emotional longing in her heart that only Jesus could satisfy. And he said, whenever you finally, finally, drink of the waters that I have to give, honey, you're not going to need another husband to be happy. Paraphrase version right there. Amen. So question. How many of you are living unhappy lives right now because you're trying to find happiness in a relationship? It's never going to satisfy. Solomon teaches us the futility of pursuing happiness in money and possessions. He was the wealthiest man in the world. He had like billions of dollars. Like somebody said, he had enough money to choke a mew. He had a lot. But listen what he says. Ecclesiastes 5.10, those who love money will never have enough. Oh, man, you give me a million dollars. I show you. The wisest man who ever lived said, those who love money will never have enough. How meaningless to think that wealth brings true happiness. The more you have, the more people come to help you spend it. (laughs) Oh, man. More money you have, the more friends you have, right? Oh, man. Oh, my long lost friend. So what good is wealth except perhaps to watch it slip through your fingers? Somebody said, you know, you don't see a a, 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 a U-Haul following a, a hearse. They don't have a bumper with a hitch on a hearse carrying our money with us. It stays back. Amen? Now here is the wealthiest man in the world saying money can't bring you true happiness. Solomon realized after accumulating these vast amounts of money that you can never get enough money to truly, truly make you happy. So think about it. Is that, is that the, the depth of the legacy we want to leave? 
some money for our children to fight over? Or to maybe trust in that will keep them out of church? And not turn to God? Just a thought. Isn't it a fact that some people are killing themselves, trying to make more money, thinking that if they just can make some more money and buy another toy, that it's going to make them happy? It's not. More stuff won't make us happy. Amen? Remember the rich young ruler? He came to Jesus and he said, hey, What's the secret to eternal life? He's rich. And he's saying, what's, what's the secret? He's looking for something else. And he's rich. In Luke 18, a religious leader asked Jesus this question. Good teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus asked him. Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, you know the commandments. You must not commit adultery. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not testify falsely. Honor your father and mother. The man replied, I've carefully obeyed all these commandments since I was young. When Jesus heard his answer, he said, okay, then there's still one thing you haven't done yet. Sell all your possessions and give the money to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. Then come follow me. Well, when the man heard this, he became sad for he was very rich. See, his his wealth was keeping him out of the true, the true value of life. The rich man's pursuit of possessions and money kept him from the true fulfillment of life. I wonder, listen, let me, let me just say this. You don't have to have a lot of money for it to be the pursuit of your life. You don't have to be a millionaire to say, oh, yeah, they millionaires. They love money. No, you could be poor and love money. You could be in poverty and love money. Whether you love money or don't love money has nothing to do with how much you have. It's the condition of your heart. They got people that have more money that are more generous and they got people that have them that are the poorest, that are most stingiest and the greediest on the globe. So it's not how much you have. It's how much it has you. Amen. That's that's a tweetable verse, right? Or quote right there. So listen, why is it that a third of Americans are not living happy lives? I believe it's because we're pursuing the wrong things in life. We've been duped into thinking that pleasures, worldly pursuits, relationships, money, possessions had the ability to make us happy. Think about it. What kind of legacy of the pursuit of this is going to really leave? Is this what we want to leave behind us? What was Solomon's conclusion at the end of his book as he's saying, this is chasing the wind. That's chasing the wind. This is chasing the wind. What was his conclusion to living a meaningful life? He gives it to us actually in Ecclesiastes 12 and verse 13. The conclusion when all has been heard is fear God and keep his commandments because this applies to every person. For God will bring every act to judgment, everything which is hidden, whether it's good or evil. That's Solomon's conclusion. If you want to live a life impacting spiritual legacy forming kind of life, then this is what you need to do. You need to fear God and you need to keep his commandments. Amen. If you don't do anything else, if you just fear God and keep his commandments, you're going to live a life impacting spiritual legacy that people are going to talk about years after you're gone. Amen. So here's the point. If we want to leave a lasting legacy, we need to spend our time pursuing the right things. If you got that, say, I got that. Another way to leave a lasting legacy is decide now what you want your legacy to be. Decide now. Somebody said, people will summarize your life in one sentence. And you get to pick 
that sentence while you're alive. Our lives will be summarized with one sentence. What is it going to be? Someday you and I are going to die. And eventually our lives will be summarized. You know, I get to do a lot of funerals. And at the funerals, you really get to know what kind of impact the person really left. Because the family talks about it. They really express it sometimes in single sentences. But the question is, what do you want yours to be? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? What do you want people to remember you by? What do you want to leave with your children and your grandchildren? What kind of impact? See, a lot of times we don't think about this. We're just thinking about ourselves in today, right now. And we don't think about the impact. Listen, we're all going to leave a legacy. The question is, what kind? We're all going to have an impact. The question is, what kind of impact? Are y'all with me? Listen, I heard a story about John Wooden. Y'all heard of that guy? Well, let me tell you about it if you hadn't. He's the legendary basketball coach who won 10 national championships. Consider the coach of the century. 10 national championships. He said, that's, that's a record that will never be touched. 10 national championships. And they asked, they interviewed him whenever he was in his 90s. And they said, Coach Wooten, what do you want to be remembered by? By those who knew you and loved you. And this is what he said. Without hesitation, he said, I certainly don't want to be remembered by the trophies or the national championships. He said, I hope people will remember me as one who is kind and considerate of others. Now, this is a guy who had, you know, he could say, remember me by what I did. Think about it, man. Ten national championships. My team went all the way, won everything ten times. But he said, listen, at the end of his life, 92 or 95 years old, something like that, he says, whenever I ball it all down, man, the trophies, they're tarnishing on the shelf. The national championships, man, people are worried about who's going to win this year. They don't remember what I did 10 years ago. He said, man, I just hope people remember me as a kind and compassionate person. Wow. We need to decide now what kind of legacy we want to leave. If we want to leave a lasting legacy, we need to choose today what legacy we want to leave to others. The legacies that are passed on to others can be intentional or unintentional. You know, in other words, we could do it on purpose. But most of the legacy that we will leave is unintentional. In other words, we pass on to others our life, not what we want. We pass on to others who we are. And so we need to be intentional about what we want to leave behind. Do you want your children to remember you as a great sports statistician? A person who had a seven handicap in golf? Or a person who loved God and loved others? Do you want your friends and family members to remember you by... How much you accumulated on the earth? Or do you want them to remember you about 
what a positive impact you had on their life. This is sobering. This is very sobering. We need to begin living today the legacy we want to leave. It's one thing to know what kind of legacy we want to leave. It's another thing to really pass it on. The greatest guarantee that you leave the legacy you desire is how you live. Your lives, your life speaks way more powerfully than your words. Right? How we live. The reality is how you live each and every day is going to be your legacy. Sociologist Tony Campolo, he did a study of 50 people over the age of 95. And they were asked this question. If you could live your life over again, what would you do differently? And one of the common themes of all 50 guys consistently emerged and said, if I had to do it over again, I would do more things that would live on after me. In other words, he's saying, listen, I would not just live for the here and now today. I would think about what kind of impact my life is making that's going to go on beyond me. Find a way to leave a lasting legacy is to keep the compass and the clock in mind. I heard somebody talking about one this one this one time, and I thought it was so powerful. A compass and a clock. A compass and a clock. And I, I meant to bring a compass and a clock up here. And you know, the compass... Speaks of vision. Where am I going? Where am I going? Where? North, south. Where am I going? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. If you don't know where you're going, you're going to end up where you don't want to go. The, the New American Standard says where there is no vision, the people are unrestrained. They, they, have, no, they have no bumpers on their bowling lane. Keep them in the right direction. You know, the word vision in Hebrew means to have a dream, a revelation, a vision for life. And the bottom line is to truly live a meaningful and impactful life. You need to have a dream, a revelation, or a vision from God for your life. You need to know where God wants you to go. You need to know what God's purpose is for your life. Amen? That's the compass. That's the beauty of being a Christian is God will tell you why you, why he put you on this planet. Amen. He'll tell you why he put you together, man. And that's awesome. You know, whenever you finally realize, you know, what that tool is for in that toolbox. Did you ever try to nail a nail with a screwdriver? You know, skinned up knuckles will probably tell you you did. It don't work well. And the problem is we're trying to nail nails with a screwdriver with our life when that's not what God intended for us to do. Amen. But the more we get the compass in our life and realize where we're going, that's how we're going to have an impact. We know where we're going. Amen. That's the compass. And then we need the clock. And the clock speaks of time. It speaks of priorities. What are we doing? You know, we only have so many days left. You say, well, how many days? I don't know. I don't know. We have no idea. You know, somebody said every, I heard somebody say they put, they figured out their lifespan and figured out how many Saturdays they had left in life. And they put a marble in a jar for all the Saturdays that they had left. Or, or you know, just, just, just 
a guess. And every Saturday, they took a marble out of that jar and said, that's one less Saturday I have left. I'll never get this marble again. I'll never get this Saturday again. What am I going to do with this Saturday? Come on. Wouldn't it be terrible to spend all our Saturdays making sure our yard is so manicured and just right in shape while our children and our grandchildren don't get to spend any time with us? Let's spin our marbles correctly. Amen. Are y'all with me out there? Are y'all, are y'all receiving this today? I mean, this is a tight, sir. I know it's tight, but it's right, isn't it? The good news is we get a chance to make a change. Cause, you know, I think we're all alive in here, right? All of you that are alive say amen. All right. I think that's everybody. All right. Which means we got a chance to make some change, right? We might have some Saturdays left. Amen. And so we need to spend our time wisely. Listen, Ephesians 5.15. So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. And make the most of every opportunity in those evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. Care, careful how you live. We need to spend our time wisely, and we need to spend our days wisely. Last verse, and we're going to close. Psalm 110. Or Psalm 103, 15. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. Now, that's good news right there. huh? Oh, man. We bloom and die. <laughs> Todd, couldn't you find a better verse? The wind blows and we're gone. As though we had never been here. Somebody said, none of us get out of this world alive. Amen. Legacy. Living beyond ourselves. God wants us to make an impact. How many of you are willing to make an impact? Make a difference. Amen. Hopefully, while we talked about this today, that something stuck out, that something resonated with your heart. You know, listen. You know, the time to evaluate your life is not whenever you're on your deathbed. The time to evaluate your life is whenever you still got some life left to live. So you can make some tweaking, amen? And say, man, I've been going the wrong way for a long time, but baby, I turned the ship around. I'm headed the right way now. Hey, whatever days I have left, man, I'm going to build a positive legacy and impact those around me for the kingdom and for the glory of God. Amen? If you've received that today, say amen and stand to your feet. Amen. Remember a while ago, I told you about those 50 people that were interviewed that were in their 90s. In fact, they were all 95 or older. And I told you what they said. They said, you know, if I had to do it all over again, I would do more things that would live on after me. You know, another comment they made was, I wish I wouldn't have worked so hard. And that spoke to me. I wish I worked so hard. And I wish I'd have taken time to enjoy my family and enjoy life a little bit better. Would you just bow your head with me for just a moment? Time. How much time do we have left? I don't know. You don't know. We don't know. Nobody's promised the end of this day. If you want to leave a lasting legacy and impact, 
the greatest thing you could do is really, really surrender your life to Jesus and say, Jesus, I'm going to pursue you instead of these things that's chasing wind. You might be here today and you've been pursuing the wrong things. And like the wisest man who ever lived, you've come to the conclusion that all these pursuits that the world has to offer is not fulfilling, is not meaningful. And I really need to turn my focus on pursuing God, fearing God, keeping His commandments. That might be your heart. That might be what's resonating in your heart today. And before we go, I want to just give you a chance to just respond to God's tugging at your heart if He is and say, Todd, would you pray for me? I want to give my life to Christ. I want to be saved. I want to be born again. I know I've sinned against God. I've rebelled against God, but I'm not going that way any longer. I want to go the way of the Lord. Pray for me today. That's you. Just lift your hand. Just raise your hand out here somewhere. And I want it right here, sir. I see your hand right here in the front. Anywhere else. Come on. Just don't be ashamed. Don't be embarrassed. Way back here. Listen, if you got your hand raised, look up at me now. Look up at me because this is the greatest moment of your life. This is the greatest time of your life. Come on. Just raise your hand and say, Todd, I want to surrender. I want to give my life to Christ. Right here, right here, right here. Anybody else? Come on. This is your day. This is your hour. This is your opportunity to make a difference with your life. Those of you that raised your hand, we're all going to pray this prayer together. After we're finished, I want you to come up. Come up and let me know that you prayed that prayer because we have a gift for you and we have something that put in your hand to help you get started in this journey. Can we pray together? Let's pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross, shedding your blood. So my sins could be forgiven. Lord Jesus, thank you for giving me the chance to get right with you. Lord, I want to pursue you. Lord, I want to live for you. Lord Jesus, I pray, help me to live the Christian life. Cleanse my heart of all my sins. I don't want to live this way. I want to live your way. Help me today to live the life of a Christian. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And amen. And amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, those of you that prayed that prayer, come up here. You know, it's important that you just let somebody know that you prayed that prayer. Amen? Hey, all right. Now you're ready to go. Do it. Remember the clock? And the compass. Figure out where you're going. And remember, every day, some time, you're losing some time. Invest your time on doing what you know God wants you to do. And you'll be glad you did it. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. Have a great day.